Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A think tank sues the Justice Department and the National Archives, asking for their communications about the FBI's raid on former President Trump's home. President Biden and Trump both campaigning in Pennsylvania this weekend. Trump spoke at a rally on Saturday. Biden is attending Pittsburgh's Labor Day parade today. An administrator confesses to sneaking a political agenda into a private school. Find out who she says kept countering her efforts and what the school is doing in response to the news. The UK names a new prime minister. She'll replace Boris Johnson. She'll help you understand more about her and what she hopes to bring to British politics. A think tank is suing the Department of Justice and the National Archives for communications surrounding the FBI's Mar-a-Lago raid. The lawsuit comes after the DOJ and NARA refused to comply with Freedom of Information Act requests submitted last month. Entity's Jessica Beatty has more on the efforts to gain information from the two agencies. The Heritage Foundation's oversight project is trying to obtain documents from the DOJ and NARA about the raid on former President Trump's home. The conservative think tank is suing to get the documents after the government refused two of its FOIA requests. From the DOJ, it's seeking copies of all communications between any DOJ employees and entities outside the government, including news media. From NARA, it's seeking copies of all communications between the National Archives, the Biden White House, DOJ, FBI, and staff members working for Trump. Oversight Project Director Mike Howell is a veteran of major congressional oversight projects. In a Friday statement, he said, on the one hand, officials are leaking documents to liberal media outlets. On the other hand, they're stonewalling the conservative think tank's efforts for more information. Howell said Americans have a right to these communications. Writing, it's unfortunate that private citizens must take their government to court to obtain documents that belong to the people. This is more evidence of a two-tier justice system where the Washington Post and other liberal media outlets are afforded more rights than ordinary Americans outside the Beltway. NTD reached out to the DOJ and NARA for comment, but didn't immediately hear back. Meanwhile, a recent disclosure said FBI agents allegedly discovered empty folders during the raid. Harvard Law Professor Emeritus Alan Dershowitz told Newsmax recently, he thinks the DOJ is likely attempting to ensnare Trump on obstruction of justice charges. Dershowitz said the empty envelopes could be significant if the government could prove there is classified material in them and that Trump or his staff destroyed it. But Dershowitz said he doesn't believe Trump's alleged mishandling of documents rises to the level of what he called the Nixon test or Hillary Clinton test. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. On to the midterms. Biden and Trump both campaigning in Pennsylvania this Labor Day weekend. Trump spoke at a rally on Saturday in the battleground swing state, and Biden is attending Pittsburgh's Labor Day parade today. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more. Oh, Trump condemned Biden's Thursday address, saying it was the most vicious, hateful, and divisive speech ever delivered by an American president. How'd you like the red lighting behind him like the devil? Enemy of the state is him and the group that control him. Biden labeled mega-Republicans a threat to the nation and its future in his primetime speech last week. Republicans in the MAGA movement are not the ones trying to undermine our democracy. We are the ones trying to save our democracy. Very simple. Very simple. Trump was campaigning for two Republican candidates at the rally. Dr. Mehmet Oz, who is running for Senate, and Doug Mastriano, who is running for governor. 
The upcoming midterm elections will determine if Democrats can maintain control of the House and the Senate. It will also set the stage for the 2024 presidential election. Trump hinted at a possible presidential run. If Trump's endorsed candidates lose in November, it could compel other Republicans that perceive his influence waning to run for president. Trump says if Republicans take back the White House, they will restore law and order, tighten border policies, defend innocent life, the Constitution and the Second Amendment, and uphold the principles of the nation's founders, among other priorities. We will hold China accountable for unleashing the virus upon the world. Biden said Thursday that the midterms will be a battle for the soul of the nation. He is traveling to the battleground states of Wisconsin and Pennsylvania on Monday. He will speak in Milwaukee at the Labor Fest celebration and then head to Pittsburgh. The White House says Biden is going to celebrate Labor Day and the dignity of American workers. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Biden is endorsing Josh Shapiro for governor of Pennsylvania and John Fetterman for U.S. Senate. The Biden administration can continue banning oil and gas leases in Wyoming after a federal judge rules against those suing. He says they can't show that the ban harmed them at the time they filed the suits. In January 2021, President Biden issued an executive order that temporarily paused new oil and gas leases. The order called for an assessment of the potential impact on the climate before resuming the leases. It applied to federal lands and offshore waters, but a judge previously lifted the ban in 13 states, not including Wyoming. The Petroleum Association of Wyoming and the Western Energy Alliance filed a lawsuit against the federal government. The state of Wyoming also filed a lawsuit, and the cases were consolidated into one. In his ruling, the judge said, due to the timing of the lawsuits and the federal government's actions, much of the case is invalid. A school director caught on undercover video saying she tries to promote a political ideology to students. She works at an elite college prep K-12 private school in Manhattan. The staffer says that she and some teachers were trying to turn the school into a place where conservatives won't feel comfortable. Here are the details. About how our political Jennifer Norris is the director of student activities at Trinity School on the Upper West Side. An undercover journalist for Project Veritas recorded her describing her efforts to promote a leftist agenda. It's definitely a school where conservatives would not feel comfortable. I don't hide how I feel, but, but I can't pretend I'm promoting the agenda. I clearly am. I can't all this stuff. Norris went on to single out students based on gender and race. Unfortunately, it's the white boys who feel like uh, very entitled to express their opposite opinions yeah. and just push back. Well, there's a huge contingent of them that are just like horrible. Parents pay about $60,000 a year to send their kids to the school. The director admits to trying to change the atmosphere there. Specifically, she said that she would avoid certain opinions when allowing students to pick weekly guest speakers. So you guys wouldn't let cons- Republican perspectives on campus? That's crazy. Norris describes how the new progressive school administration allowed her to be more open in her efforts. When I started there, I was, I hit my whole life. I felt like a double agent or something. Norris admits the school uses detention not to punish students for wrongdoing, but to promote political ideology. Here's how. They get expiation classes. Or Which marches, like? See, they went to um, women's rights marches after Trump. They went to all the, like, gun funds and march for our lives. Um, when it's, it's fun, too, because if they do march out of school, because sometimes it's a political protest, yeah. and so we're, we don't actually give them the 
grace period. But we, we do. We don't punish them. But if they do it, then they have to serve detention. And then during detention, we talk about social justice. Eric Trump went to Trinity. He posted on Twitter, The school was fantastic. It is so sad to see this nonsense. It is truly a disgrace to some of the amazing teachers I once had. Norris has now been put on paid leave. Trinity says they are going to launch an investigation into her comments. The school said her comments do not reflect their mission nor values. From agenda in schools to kidnapping, bond is set at $500,000 for a man charged with kidnapping a teacher in Tennessee. Cleotha Abston faces another court appearance Tuesday in the county that includes Memphis. Officials say Eliza Fletcher is still missing. Video shows a man forcing the mother of two into an SUV before dawn on Friday. In other news, the man who allegedly stole a plane and threatened to crash it into a Walmart is denied bond. He came down from the sky uninjured when he crash-landed in a field in Mississippi. 29-year-old Corey Patterson was charged with grand larceny and making terrorist threats. He worked as a plane fueler until he stole a plane without knowing much about how to fly. A detective gave testimony that Patterson flew the plane over heavily populated areas. This increased the chances of injuring people, not just at the Walmart he threatened. While in the air, Patterson posted a Facebook message that said, quote, Sorry, everyone. Never actually wanted to hurt anyone. I love my parents and sister. This isn't your fault. Goodbye. His lawyer argued that he should be given bond since his family is local to the area. He has no criminal record and nobody was hurt. The FBI could seek federal charges in addition to the existing state charges. Another recent plane crash, this one in a waterway near Seattle. One child was found dead and the Coast Guard is searching for nine missing adults. They received reports yesterday afternoon that a float plane plunged into waters of Puget Sound. The child's body was recovered by witnesses and first responders. The Coast Guard thanked the Good Samaritans, first responders and nearby sheriff's departments who were the first to help at the scene. Multiple agencies are now involved in recovery efforts. The cause of the crash is not yet known. The aircraft is reported to be an Otter float plane that was en route to Renton Municipal Airport after departing from a harbor. And Northern California's rapidly moving mill fire has burned over 4,000 acres of land and two people are dead. The California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection says the fire is only 25% contained. The wildfire killed two people in the rural California town of Weed. Video shows sky-high smoke clouds rising from the burning forest, darkening the sky. California firefighters are deploying loads of long-term fire retardant from air tankers and helicopters. The blaze started on Friday, nearly 230 miles north of Sacramento. About 100 homes and buildings were reported to have been destroyed. California Governor Gavin Newsom proclaimed a state of emergency for Siskiyou County. The emergency declaration will help residents access federal aid and unlock state resources. Another fire called the Mountain Fire is also spreading in Gazelle, located 10 miles northwest of Weed. More than two decades of drought and rising temperatures have made California more vulnerable than ever to wildfires. The two most devastating years on record by the number of acres burned were in 2020 and 2021. And Liz Truss has ascended to the top of the U.K.'s Conservative Party, and with that comes the top job in British politics. Here's some background on Britain's new Prime Minister. I have a plan to make Britain a high-growth economy over the next 10 years. Who is Liz Truss, Britain's new Prime Minister? The Conservative politician takes over from Boris Johnson. After running a campaign that focuses on tax cuts, championing Brexit 
and a strong stance on Russia and China. So now is not the time for business as usual. Now is the time we need to do things differently. We need to be bold. Let's take a look at how she got to the top job in British politics. What's happening today? Born in 1975, Truss entered Parliament in 2010, and by 2014, she settled into her first cabinet position as a Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs under David Cameron. In the 2016 EU referendum, Truss voted in favour of Britain remaining in the bloc. But she changed her mind after her side lost, saying Brexit provided an opportunity to, quote, shake up the way things work. Truss served under Theresa May and Boris Johnson in various ministerial positions. In 2021, she was handed the top role of foreign secretary. She's become a strident critic of Russian President Vladimir Putin. And when Russia invaded Ukraine in February, she took a hard line. Truss has vowed to bring about the biggest economic change the UK has seen in 30 years. She's pledged more than $36 billion in tax cuts, which she says would rein in inflation while boosting growth. Her rival for PM, Rishi Sunak, called her tax cuts irresponsible and, quote, fairy tale economics. That I will give you my all. Truss has been dubbed as the new Iron Lady. She herself has long cited Margaret Thatcher as an inspiration. Even her biggest critics say her appeal is that she is dynamic and a workaholic who is across the detail of policy. I'm somebody in every job in government I've done, whether it's at the Foreign Office, whether it's at trade, I've got things done. And still to come, Russia is set to ban oil and gas exports to countries with a price cap. This includes the G7. Former President Trump sounded a warning four years ago that may be proving true. Stay tuned for more after the break. Welcome back. Thousands of Russians on Saturday paid their final respects to Mikhail Gorbachev, the last leader of the Soviet Union. But the Nobel Peace Prize winner was denied a full state funeral, and President Vladimir Putin was notably absent. Here are the details. The last Soviet leader, Mikhail Gorbachev, was laid to rest on Saturday. Gorbachev, who presided over the Soviet Union from 1985 until its collapse in 1991, died on Tuesday aged 91. Much like the funerals of previous Soviet leaders, Gorbachev's body lay in state in Moscow's Grand Hall of Columns. But unlike his predecessors, Gorbachev was denied a full state funeral. And Russian President Vladimir Putin was noticeably absent. Also absent were many Western heads of state and government, who normally would have attended, kept away by the chasm in relations between Moscow and the West following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. One European leader who did attend was Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, who was seen placing flowers by Gorbachev's coffin. Gorbachev's his final resting place is in Moscow's Novodevichy Cemetery, where he will be buried alongside his wife, Raisa, who died 23 years ago. 
The U.S. ambassador to Russia is retiring. Sunday, the embassy announced John Sullivan left his position as the top American diplomat in Moscow. He has served in the role for nearly three years. On Saturday, Sullivan attended Gorbachev's farewell ceremony in Moscow. Elizabeth Rood will assume his duties until President Biden nominates his replacement. And Russia is going to ban exports of oil and other petroleum products to countries that impose a cap on the price of Russian crude. This will likely hurt Western nations, including the U.S. and its allies. Here's that story. Russia's deputy prime minister announced last Thursday that Russia will not supply oil and petroleum products to companies or countries that impose restrictions. He calls such price caps completely absurd. Despite this, G7 finance ministers on Friday agreed to forge ahead with a price cap on Russian oil and gas. A global price cap will help us accomplish our two goals. The first one is significantly reduce Putin's biggest source of revenue for his war chest. Number two, ensure that oil continues to flow into the market at lower prices and supply meets demand. The G7 said, quote, today we confirm our joint political intention to finalize and implement a comprehensive prohibition of services which enable maritime transportation of Russian origin, crude oil and petroleum products globally. We will, fur- we will further work in the coming upcoming weeks to determine the price cap level, uh, release further information, including technical guidance for market participation and announce our coalition partners as well. During a speech at the United Nations in 2018, then-President Trump warned Germany against relying heavily on Russian energy. Now the clip has resurfaced on social media amid Russia's latest export ban. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we are committed to maintaining our independence from the encroachment of expansionist foreign powers. The German delegates appear to have laughed at Trump, but now sanctions on Russia have driven up the price of energy around the world, inflicting some of the greatest pain on Germany. Before the war broke out, over half of the country's natural gas came from Russia. On August 29th, German energy prices exceeded $1,000 per megawatt hour for the first time. And coming up, Rhode Island holds traditional dragon boat races with some help from a faraway partner, Taiwan. It's an event with over 20 years history in the state. We'll have all that and more for you right here on NTD News. NASA's Artemis program takes questions after two failed launches. The team aborted the two attempts due to fuel leaks. NASA has waited years to send the capsule atop the rocket around the moon, and the next launch attempt is now weeks away. Just remember, we're not going to launch until it's right. And that is standard operating procedure and will continue to be. After the latest setback, mission managers decided to haul the rocket off the pad and into the hangar for further repairs. Some of the work and testing may be performed at the pad before the rocket is moved. Officials say several weeks of work will be needed. The initial launch will include test dummies and later ones will include an astronaut crew. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson says the cost of these two failures to launch are far less than a failure after the rocket is in the sky. Thousands of people jammed the coast over Labor Day weekend. They were hoping to see the launch, but left disappointed. 
And in sports news, a man from the country, Georgia, secured his third consecutive beach wrestling world championship title in Constanta, Romania. He defeated his opponent from Azerbaijan 5-2 in the final. The match was held at a beach just north of the city. It was tied at 2-2 before the champion pinned his opponent with 24 seconds left to retain his title. The most impressive performance came from a Bulgarian woman who won the women's 70-kilogram title. She defeated a fellow countrywoman by pinning her to the sand just nine seconds into the three-minute bout. Over 120 athletes from 19 nations took part in the championships. Moving on to another unique sport, Rhode Island and Taiwan have joined forces to bring traditional dragon boat racing to the Seekonk River. NTD's Flinders Kingsley has the story. The Rhode Island Dragon Boat Festival started in 1999 with the help of Taiwan. The idea of a dragon boat race came from Sunny Ng and Louis Yip, who had watched dragon boat races in Hong Kong as kids. As successful businessmen, they decided to bring this tradition to Rhode Island. So one of the more unique events is the Taiwanese boats. Um, so it's, it's very different from what we usually do. A lot of times we're racing in the Hong Kong boats. Those are the more typical Dragon Boat festivals that are around the area. So um, it's, it's, it's a nice change to get to be in these larger boats. The boats used this year were donated by Taiwanese government and commercial organizations. Today is very special because we saw uh, a lot of uh, Rhode Island residents show up to show, to, to show their support for the team as well as for Taiwan. That's important to us. Rhode Island Governor Daniel McKee has been a longtime friend of Taiwan. He visited Taiwan when he was the Lieutenant Governor of Rhode Island. Both cultural and economic, we want to make sure we bring our, our respective, uh, you know, our state and, uh, and Taiwan together to make sure that um, we do well here in Rhode Island as a result of that partnership and people in Taiwan do well as a result of that partnership with the state of Rhode Island. The festival is a chance to see traditional Taiwanese culture with Chinese yo-yo, dancers, drummers and food. Time to showboat Taiwanese culture. I'm excited for all of the other events. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. Thank you.